So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting. Today I'm here with Tarumi Okano, uh, who's the owner of Boston Tech Creative. She has over 10 plus years of engineering and marketing experience in startups, uh, mid-sized companies, large corporations. Uh, she helps people with their messaging, with their branding. And so Tarumi, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here and share what I can share with others. Absolutely. Uh, so Tarumi, I'd love if you could uh, kick us off with a unique approach, tip, tool or strategy that you think other people in the consulting profession should probably know about, but they maybe they don't. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny because my husband was a business owner before I was a business owner. And so, you know, one question I get a lot is around pricing. I'm like, well, how do you like price your services? You know, where do you start? And actually, the advice that my husband gave me that I'm going to pass on is you actually need to charge the amount that you need in order to live. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, that makes no sense. But and that's not where I started. You know, I started doing the whole like divide your salary by this much and this much overhead. <laughs> and then ultimately, I realized that he was correct. So the kind of how I came about to this realization was, I don't share this a lot, but I do struggle a lot with anxiety and depression. And so a lot of weeks I can't work the full amount. And so really I need to top my actual client work to about 15 to 20 hours a week. And so noticing that and being like, well, I can't live if I don't charge the amount that I need to charge. I realized even though I was nervous to do that, that when I did that, it motivated me to do my best work because I felt I was, you know, charging an amount that felt good to me, but also clients didn't really blink. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, um, yeah, that's one piece of advice that, that I would give. And uh, I'm curious, like, did, was there a certain moment in time when you applied that logic or, or is it something you set out from the start? No, no, no. It definitely, when I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm not making enough. Yeah. I would have to work an insane number of hours. <laughs> so it was definitely a moment in time where I kind of looked at, started actually looking at my numbers and saying, okay, how am I actually going to make this work practically? And yeah, it was about, I want to say about a year ago. So two years into my business is when I finally realized, okay, this needs to change. Mm. And so I'm curious how you approach that. Was it for new people that you brought on as clients or was it with your existing clients? And how did you approach those discussions? And what was that process like? Yeah, so I, I think it was kind of a, a little bit of a evolved thing. So so basically another way that I like to um, charge my clients is project based. So that was the first time I implemented that strategy. So it was the hourly was sort of hidden right within that project. And so that's kind of what kickstarted it. And I didn't increase prices with my current clients It sort of kind of let those come to an end. And then if anyone wanted to continue, then I sort of used that project-based approach with the kind of the hourly um, numbers hidden in it. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it goes back to that old saying of, you know, you got to put on your, what is it? Like air mask first. Well, the thing in the air, yes. you know, the, the oxygen yeah. mask. Oxygen. Yeah. Is, there we go. The oxygen <laughs> mask first. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Okay. So pricing. Okay. We've got that down. Um, I'm curious, like, is there a resource that you found 
particularly helpful, uh, whether it may be professionally or personally, uh, could be related to pricing, but that doesn't have to be, obviously. Yeah, I guess the really the pivotal moment for me in my business was starting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'd been talking for about five years, you know, with my friends like, oh, I want to start a business. And they would just kind of blow me off because um, actually two, I have three friends that I've been in touch with and friends with since I was a child. So mm-hmm. they're the four of us. And um, two of them were already business owners. And so they were, they kind of shrugged me off like, oh, you keep saying you're going to start a business. You're never going to do it. <laughs> and so actually what changed is uh, if you're familiar with Seth Godin, who's written many brilliant marketing books, yeah. other books as well. Um, so he has a program called the Alt MBA. And um, at the time I joined because I felt like I needed something more in my life, you know, than sort of the perfect life of expectations of others, I guess we could call it, Mm. (laughs) you know, big house, lovely family, you know, great job, you know, all that. But somehow I felt very unfulfilled. And that's why I kind of jumped into this Alt MBA program. And at the time I was a product manager. And I felt, as many do, very big sense of imposter syndrome. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, I am studying. I'm in this program with entrepreneurs who have been leading like nonprofit organizations, who are leading movements, who are, you know, have businesses, multi-million dollar businesses. I don't belong here. You mm. know, and after that first se- session of Alt MBA, I almost quit. I was like, I I I don't belong here. <laughs> and um once I was able to overcome that resistance and everyone treated me as an equal, as a peer, and I realized, you know what? I can do this. And eight months later, I started my business. Excellent. Yeah. So that sounds like it's a, a good good case of surrounding yourself with the right people as well that can help you level up at the same time, right? But taking you out of your what your current circumstances and putting yourself in a completely different environment with different inputs, basically. Would you say that's fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the people that I've met there, I'm still in very close contact with today. Yep. I absolutely agree that if you're trying to do something, if you're trying to accomplish something and sort of get out of your comfort zone, you need the people and you need the community to help you get there. So, I'm curious. So we've got, it sounds like, you know, there's a support system there. What, what other do you think fundamental uh, elements were there that, that helped you make that change? Sure. So, so one thing was um, in a way I was forced to, I was forced to almost do it because I actually was, I don't like to say fired, <laughs> but I was let go from a company. And so at that point I thought, oh, well, maybe this is a really good opportunity for me to explore maybe starting my own business. And it just so happened that someone who I worked with before reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm pretty sure you're busy, but I'm starting a new business. I need help with my marketing. He was assuming I still had a full-time job. You know, can you help me? And that was really the light bulb moment for me that oh, here's this person who I really respect, who is starting a business, and he's trusting me 
to help him with his marketing. And mm. that's really what gave me the confidence to, to start a business because I was like, well, if he trusts me, then other people could also trust me. Yeah. And um, so that helped a lot as well. Interesting. And so I'm, I'm curious, how did you transition from the, you know, people in your network like that to getting more clients? What, what, what sort of avenues uh, did you find worked for you the best? Was it, was it through referrals or was it through other channels? I'm curious what's, what you're finding works for you best. That's a really good question because I was just thinking about earlier today, my first year was so easy because yeah. everyone who I'd worked with, who'd gone to work for other companies was like, oh my gosh, Tarumi, I need you. Come work yeah. for me. You know, come, come help me out with my marketing. You know, we have a gap here or a gap there. And so the first year of business was so easy. And then around the middle of year two, everything dried up. Yeah. And I was freaking out thinking I was, <laughs> I was done for, <laughs> what am I going to do? And honestly, I think I had three or four months where I was, just, I was lost. I had no income and I was like, what, what, what do I do? Mm. <laughs> so I did a couple things. The first thing was I, um, I actually became a certified, certified story brand guide again, right? Let's, let's grab a community <laughs> to, uh, to help me out here. Mm. Uh, and then the second thing I did was I decided to start posting on LinkedIn. So that's actually, those are the two main sources besides referrals, which are the best um, types of leads um, to, to really prop up my business on its own, right? Rather just, yeah. just than just relying on um, people that I know my network. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you touch on a, on a common theme that uh, you find in consulting where people start their independent practices and they're able to leverage, you know, that, that network that you've had through their associations from work, uh, you know, through their friends and so forth. But there's a certain point where that starts drying up and you're like, okay, um, you know, managed to build some business off this, but at a certain point you have to do something to, to change that. And I, I, I like what you, you know, you basically, so basically you've got there, you've got a, you know, tapping into new kind of support networks. I think that's incredibly important as a, as an independent, um, you can't be completely solo all the time. And then also, yeah, finding a channel like, like LinkedIn. So I'm curious, like what, what do you, how did, how did you approach LinkedIn at the start and how has that changed? Like how did, how, what have you learned since, you know, your journey, kind of your foray into LinkedIn? Yeah, sure. So when I first started LinkedIn, I kind of treated it like a professional Facebook. <laughs> so yeah. I would post like articles I found interesting and inspirational. Mm. And, you know, I'm always very interested in like personal development stuff. So I, I yeah. you know, posted a lot about that. And a lot of it was like very introspection kind of more related. And yeah. then I hit a period where I was like, oh, I, I should probably post more about what I do. <laughs> mm. And so I started posting more about marketing. And then what I realized after posting for maybe three years is that the posts that got the most traction were actually those that were related to personal stories that I had. And um, that really seemed to resonate. And whenever people say, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, I love your, you know, they really love my personal posts versus like 
you know, marketing, which is helpful, maybe useful, but yeah, um, not as like emotionally impactful. So I guess what I've learned is that, yeah, people like to connect with a person. Mm. And what I found is that the people who do reach out to me through LinkedIn are my ideal client types. And we mesh really well because I think I show my values. I show my kind of like what I, you know, what my brand is and, and what I value on LinkedIn. So they feel like they kind of know me. <laughs> and um, I felt, I feel like that's a really good way for me to use LinkedIn to attract the right type of client. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, someone I know who is, he has quite a profile. He's like entrepreneur in residence at Entrepreneur Magazine and he's he uses LinkedIn a lot. Um, and he basically, basically helps people build build up their consulting practices. And so he teaches and shares knowledge around that. But like you say, it's the it's actually the posts that are about working out at the gym or, you know, his kids climbing on top of him that get the most interest and the and most like and I and like you say, it's a lot of it is about um, you know, things that resonate with other people. Like mm-hmm. often those are the personal things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People want to know who who you are, right? I'm also finding myself, I'm actually going through a a challenge, a 30 day challenge on LinkedIn, uh, posting each day. And I see it as a bit of an experiment to see, you know, okay, was this type of content where it does that. Um, and then I can just sort of look back and look at the analytics and see, okay, well, you know, where's, where things or, but also just like, where are people engaging? And sometimes it's things that you just wouldn't expect. Like, um, one day I posted about, uh, just a short post about feeling like an outsider. And that really resonated with people who just had no idea where they came from, but they were like, yes, I feel like that. <laughs> Have you, are there any things like that that you've, you've uh, found that you were unexpected that resonated with people? Yeah, mostly, like I said, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's like stories, but there is one really fun post that I like to do once a year that gets a lot of traction, which is, um, I think it's a list of like 10 things that, you know, 10 things that, that just 10 things about me, right? 10 random things about me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, my, my favorite ice cream is like salted caramel and I like hate the scent of vanilla. Like I like the flavor, but... <laughs> For whatever reason, I hate the you know the scent of and people just get passionate like oh my gosh I'm the same here you know <laughs> or I'm different you know I don't get what you're saying and uh, so that that's one that worked really well for me it's pretty fun and yeah surprisingly like very very popular so interesting yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good format to follow I guess. Because there's bound to be just like one of those things. It's like, you know, oh, I hate tuna fish. Oh, I hate tuna fish as well. Right, yeah. (laughs) Tuna fish haters unite. Exactly. (laughs) I really don't like tuna fish. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, so moving on a little bit here, I'm I'm curious, you you mentioned, you know, how you found those clients of yours. So I'm curious about those clients that come to you and you enjoy working with the most. Are there certain characteristics that they share? Is there a kind of profile that they fit? Yeah, it's really interesting because really at, at the end of the day, because I'm an engineer, so I do marketing for engineering companies, you know, engineering software, engineering consultants, that kind of thing. So 
But actually, so I guess that is sort of a uniting factor. I like to say, you know, I help smart business owners, whether you're, you know, engineer, scientist, healthcare, you know, whatever industry you're in, it is okay. <laughs> but really the, the thing that actually is a common factor among my clients is one, they love storytelling. They love stories. They love radio stories. They want to incorporate that into their marketing. And the second thing is actually they're very self-aware. They also love personal development and um, exploring, you know, how they can be a better version of themselves. And so, you know, we'll geek out about that as well during our marketing calls, which is interesting because I don't say that anywhere. <laughs> I don't mm. say that anywhere in my marketing, right? I mean, I, I talk about my personal experiences on LinkedIn, but it's really fascinating. Like, yeah, the people that I work with are really serious about, you know, like inclusivity, very serious about, yeah, self-development and awareness and being being an authentic version of themselves, being okay, being vulnerable, you know, that kind of thing. So. And I'm curious, like, so you helping people with their storytelling and using storytelling in their marketing, do you find there's like any particular area where people, uh, where people really struggle with? Yes. Yeah. So, so two, two areas, um, especially with the more highly intelligent, high, you know, where they're really an expert on certain areas, let's say shipbuilding. You know, they're like really, really experts on shipbuilding. They're trying to help other shipbuilders, right? So here are like two, the two challenges that I frequently see is one, they have a hard time really simplifying what they're talking about because there are so many complex terms and complex concepts that we're dealing with, right? When it comes to, let's say, shipbuilding, but we need to distill it in a way in, into plain language, right? Like how can we ensure that at the high level, people can understand what you do? You know, instead of using words like productivity, improvement, you know, process improvement, you know, using words like better, right? So, you know, there, one of my client's tagline is, we help you build better ships faster, right? We don't say anything about optimization and digital transformation. It's just like, no, simply, let's let's distill simply, what do you do, right? So that tagline took a very long time <laughs> to yeah. come up with because it's so simple, right? Sometimes the simplest things are really the hardest to come up with. So that's the first challenge is like, how do we distill the complex into something very simple? to understand. And then the second challenge is speaking to people's emotional side. So like when I'm talking to them, uh, my clients, I say, so how are your customers feeling when they're, uh, they're not delivering ships on time? And they're like, well, they're, um, they need to, to make sure that um, you know, things are on schedule and like, no, no, how are they feeling? Right. Are they feeling stressed? Are they feeling overwhelmed? Like it's, it's funny because people think like, oh, you know, well, engineers don't like that kind of fluff, right? They don't want to see that in their marketing. Like they just want to like see the facts and the numbers, but the fact is engineers are humans also. <laughs> and so if you did say like, I get it, I get it. It's frustrating, 
when you have department silos and so the data isn't getting transferred efficiently across departments so that you can't make good decisions as a leader, right? That's not, I wouldn't say that's fluffy. We're, we're trying to like create that connection, right? The emotional, not just the physical because people aren't convinced, convinced by facts, right? They're convinced by their emotions. And so that's another struggle that I have when we're talking and saying, okay, we need to like, we need to understand your customers' emotions and make sure those are in the story as well as, you know, the facts. Yeah. 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 Interesting. What are some ways that you manage to sort of create more empathy with people that come from maybe more of an engineering mindset? Maybe they're more focused on like the tools and the way things work um, as opposed to like, well, actually put yourself in your customer's shoes or like when they're, when they're looking at this. I know that it's, it must, must be difficult to get a bit of perspective when you're so into the whole building mode. What do you find are some good approaches to, to get people more into thinking on the other side of the table? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one way to do it is using frameworks, right? So as as the first step and kind of the simplest, highest level messaging framework you can use for your business is I say, okay, one, tell me about one of the problems that you solve for your customers. Um, and then, so so essentially this framework has three parts. It's problem, solution, and outcome. Right. So talk about the problem you solve, talk about the solution you provide, and then what is the outcome from that? So that's basically sort of like a very condensed story, right? It could be like a little elevator pitch for your business. So just to give an example for my business using this three-part framework. Um, so I help smart business owners who struggle to talk about what they do. As an engineer who runs a marketing consultancy. I take complex products and help them find the words to pull the customers in. That way, everyone understands exactly what they do. So people get excited, word spreads, and business grows. So if you see that first part of it, right, I say I help smart business owners who struggle to talk about what they do. So there's emotion is usually a piece of that problem statement. So that's kind of how we start. And then I find that as we just talk about it more and more, you know, they start to get it. Gotcha. I'm also curious, like, you, you know, you mentioned the, you, you talk about the problem solution outcome. Maybe you also think of the pain, pain agitate solution uh, framework uh, that's used in copywriting. I, I don't know if you've ever come across these, these artificial intelligence tools that will basically spin out this copy for you. What, I'm curious what your views are on, on those. I find them very helpful tools, um, but actually understanding the mechanics and actually doing it myself, I found was massively beneficial. The first time I came across this was actually when I was using tools like that. And I was like, oh, what's this copywriting framework? Oh, it spins out great copy. But I actually found that actually doing the whole process myself rather than having a tool do it for me, you know, I was able to actually kind of identify, okay, this is, this is good output that it's giving me. Um, I'm curious, have you used any of these tools? Like, do you have a view on them or? Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. So I am aware of these tools. Yeah. I've never actually tried using this tool, mm. but I actually had recently had a client who they hired me to help me write emails. And what they said is that they were using an AI tool <laughs> to yeah. help them write these emails because they're like, well, I'm, 
you know, we have kind of information around it, but I'm not a copywriter. And so I would just put, you know, put some content in and then it would spit out stuff that looked pretty good. And so we would just use that. And I think that to an extent, it's it's helpful and it's good because if you're not a quote unquote writer, right, or feel like you can't write something, it can get you part way there, right? Mm. <laughs> so that that's good. Like if you need to get something done, something written, and it helps you get that written, I think that's great. I think the fact that you know this client was reaching out to me saying, "Well." you know, we, we need to do better. <laughs> Can you teach us how to do better? Right. Kind of um, explains some of the limitations, right? Because the software can't help you come up with, you know, better, a better story, you know, for your brand, or it can't help you figure out, you know, make, make sure that your, your messaging is aligned, you know, across the board so that you are showing yourself as a cohesive brand, right? I can't help you with those types of things, but yeah, certainly like, um, I guess for myself, like I probably wouldn't use it, <laughs> but I think it is a great tool for those who, um, are struggling to write. And if that helps them get to where they need to be, I think that's a great, it's a great tool. Yeah. So. Uh, I would say probably the best, like what I found is the, the, the main benefit is, uh, really sort of bouncing ideas or, or, or ideation. Um, it might, it might spit something out, but that will spark a different idea. Um, and I, I find it actually like quite a good kind of sparring tool, especially if you're suffering from some kind of writer's block. Um, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's, how yeah, I, I could totally see myself using a tool like that for, for that purpose, for brainstorming. Yeah. For brainstorming. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so Tarumi, um, I'd love for you to t- just share where people can find out more um, about yourself and how people can connect with you online. I'm assuming probably LinkedIn's probably the best place by the sounds of things, but uh, yes. you can tell us where else yep. people Absolutely. should go. Absolutely. I basically do everything on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to learn more about what I do, you can also go to my website, which is bostontechcreative.com. Otherwise, yeah, DM me or follow me for, you know, marketing and other interesting, um, you know, I sometimes post about uh, the Asian American experience and sometimes post about my, you know, hospice volunteering experience. So you kind of get to see, you know, all sides of me there on LinkedIn. Excellent. Great. Well, Tumi, I've really enjoyed our chat here. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show and speak to you soon. Thing. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan Bailey Strong here, host of the show. Thanks for tuning in. And if you want to get in touch, feel free to hit me up on social media. If you just search for my username, John B. Strong on Twitter, and actually you can search for the same thing on LinkedIn, uh, you'll find my profile there as well. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback.